Welcome uh, to the final uh, message of our Parenthood series. In case you missed any of the weeks, in week one, we talked about the priority of parenthood is to move a child's dependence from us to a child's dependence on God. And we talked about how more is caught than taught. And so how are we doing that when it comes to depending on God? Then week two, we talked about unchanging principles of parenting, which are a loving touch, abundant time and encouraging conversations. And then last week, Mike talked about the importance of discipline being defined as correction driven by love, specifically to act promptly, to explain thoroughly, to love abundantly, and to spank your kids religiously. (laughs) I might have thrown in that last one. That was uh, my little ad. Um, as we kick off this last message, if you're not a parent, uh, just hang in there. Because just like the other three, um, every single one of these uh, messages has to do with relationships in general. Uh, there's application that can be applied as matter whether you're young or you're old, kids, not kids, even if we're using more illustrations as it pertains to parenthood. But let me start, you know, with this. Uh, do you remember the last time that you were around a brand new baby? Brand new baby. Now, it's amazing when this child comes out, you know, gets all kind of cleaned up and then just sits in your arms. And you're like, this is better than a new car smell. I mean, you're just like, this is so, so amazing, so soft. I mean, even their cries are like, eh, eh. it's just like, oh, that's so cute. And you just fall instantly in love with this child who's done absolutely nothing except for exist. And if it's your child, it goes to a whole other level. You're just like, I cannot believe the love and connection that I have with this child. And some of us, you know, begin to think about those first few days. If you remember, you know, back then, those first few days and weeks, wondering, I wonder what this child's personality is going to be like. I wonder what they're going to be interested in, what their likes and dislikes. I wonder what they're going to want to be when they grow up. Maybe they're going to want to be in the medical field or in business or as a teacher or pastor or missionary. I wonder what God has in store for this child. And it's just absolutely up and to the right. It's wow. This is a miracle, the miracle of life. Now, let me tell you what's not mentioned. What's uh, rarely mentioned, especially to the parents. Not every, not every baby is good looking. Let's just throw that out there right now. Some of them look like little wrinkled monkeys, you know, and that's okay. You know, it just takes time. It's more about the inside than outside that counts. But uh, on a more serious note, when you hold the child for the first time, you rarely, if ever, think, I wonder what it's going to be like to talk to this child about skipping school or lying or cheating or stealing. I can't wait to talk through that journey of them becoming overly angry or a little too violent or self-absorbed or obsessed. I wonder if one day I'm going to have to take you to rehab or to hear the words that I'm pregnant. I wonder if you're going to struggle with anxiety, with depression, with suicidal thoughts. I wonder even as you grow up as an adult child, if you're going to be the one to cheat on your spouse and then get a divorce. See, the reality is... Something like this is going to happen in the life of your child because all kids are going to go through rebelliousness, which causes themselves and others pain. Now, it may be a small, you know, it could be hours, days, or weeks, or it could be several years, or in some of your cases, and some of you guys know this, it could be decades. See, Romans tells us from God's word, the scripture says, no one is righteous, 
No, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. In other words, what the Bible is saying is our propensity is to lean towards destruction, things that are hurtful or harmful that appear like it's wonderful and fulfilling, but we have a tendency to go that direction than the other direction. Every child will go through times of rebellion. So today we're going to talk about what happens when your child begins to go on a rebellious streak. How do you identify that these are some of the things that uh, are leading towards, you know, a possible major choice or shift in their lives? And then maybe more importantly, what do we do about it? What are some things that we do? Because here's what I know is that for some of you, as we talk about today, the reality of this is that you have a child right now that is going through rebellious nature. Some of you have an adult child and you spent years trying to help and walk through. If you have not yet experienced this, here's what I can promise you, you will. Here, here's how I know. How many of you, by a show of hands, have either at any point in your life gone against or rebelled against your parents or God? Raise your hand. Okay. Why would we think that our kids are not going to do the same thing? Why would we ever think, well, well, not my child. No, 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 your, your child also. And so we want to be able to help. How do we handle that? So what do we do? So with the time left, that's what we're going to walk through. As always, God has some answers and some guidances for us when it comes to this. Now, I'm not going to talk specifically about discipline, even though discipline is one of the ways that you help a child who's beginning a rebellious streak. That was all last week's lesson. So just because I don't mention it doesn't mean that's a part of it. You can go back and listen last week. So before I jump in, let me, let me just first address one of the lies that we choose to believe. Okay, here's one of the lies that you have maybe or you're tempted to believe. If I raise them right, then they won't rebel. That's one of the lies that you're choosing to believe. If I just raise them right, if you're a Christian, let me put it in Christianese. If I raise them in a Christ-centered home, if I get them involved in Christ-centered friends, focus on God's word and loving community, expose them to the things of God, they will not rebel. In fact, I read in God's word that if I raise a child in the way that they should go, when they are old, they will not depart. Understand, there is a long difference in time span between child and old. Okay, there's something in between that takes place. In fact, uh, I know incredible families, incredible families of God who did all the right things, who did all the things that they thought they were supposed to do, and yet their child still rebelled. In fact, Jesus gives us an example of what an incredible, God-fearing, loving home looks like, and yet still the child decides to wander to leave. And many of you have heard this story before, but maybe you've not heard the story in light of a parental or child conversation. So in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells them the story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Now, we get into the story, and you're already seeing the son has reached a climax in his rebellion to go to his father and to insult him in a way in that culture you would rarely do. Basically, he's telling his father, Dad, I wish you were dead now. 
And so can you just give me what's going to be given to me later? I just want it now. I'm young. I want to live it up. I know what's best for me. And so to get to that point, you know there must have been days, weeks, or months of little warning signs heading up. And that's exemplified here. Let me give you a, a couple things to kind of pay, no, pay attention to, if, especially if you have younger children as they begin to grow. Rebellious kids become increasingly self-centered, become self-centered. So the son comes from this good background. The man has great resources even in this home, and he's asking for his dad to give him what he thinks he deserves because he knows what's best in his own life. It is about him and his life. He's not thinking about the consequence. He's not thinking about how this might affect other people. He can only see things through his own little mind. Kind of reminds me of the story. Maybe some of you have heard this before. Uh, there was a son uh, who had a father, and the father just didn't like one thing about the son, his long hair. And he would beg. He would bribe. He would do anything like, oh, son, it's just so nappy. It's ugly. It's just hanging all different directions. Cut your hair. Son's like, nope, 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 not going to do it. Son turned 16 and he'd been saving money for a car for a while. So he comes to his dad and he says, hey dad, you know how we talked about a few years ago that if I saved up a certain amount, you might kick in a few bucks to kind of help push me over the edge. Dad says, yep, I'm excited about that. He goes, but son, I need you to do one thing if you want any money from me. I need you to cut your hair. So the son looks at his dad and he thinks and he smiles. And he says, well, dad, you know, Jesus had long hair. So his dad looks at him and smiles and said, yep. And he walked everywhere he went. <laughs> right? Rebellious kids think they know all the answers. Right? They think they know all the answers. In other words, the, the younger son is saying, hey, look, I know what's best for me. I know the right direction. Dad, don't tell me what to do. I've heard a lot from you. I've seen it. I'm going to go in my own way. Rebellious kids also demand immediate gratification. He wants the money, he wants it now. He's been told, he's bought into that belief that I only live for today, there is no guarantee tomorrow, so I need to live it up today. Does that sound like any culture you have ever been a part of? You know, like, uh, whatever I feel, I'm gonna be led by my feelings, and if I can just get the resources, I will finally be the kind of the happy man that I'm supposed to be, and it is fun. It is fulfilling. I mean, don't fool yourselves for a while. And so he does, he, he goes on this, this adventure, the spree, and he goes, uh, uh, whatever the Bible says called wild living. For those of you a little older, just think sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, for those of you who are younger, just think of anything that you think might hurt your parents, hurt your relationship with God, while at the same time fulfilling every sort of emotion and desire that you think that you have, and you just go just hog wild. You just have a great time. Speaking of hogs, actually, we're gonna get that in a second. These choices, though, here's what we know. These choices, in the end, lead to a dead end or constant pain in a child and a parent's life, which we're about to see. Before we do, I do want those of you who have kids, who have wandered, they have put distance between the relationship with God, between the ways that you have raised them, between maybe even relationship with you. I want you to remember, maybe this is the one thing I want you to hold on to today. God the Father understands parental pain. He relates. He knows exactly what it feels like. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 1, it says this, listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. It says, even an ox knows its owner and the donkey recognizes its master's care, but Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. 
You've been down that road? Or you're like, I'm trying to pour out, trying to help, and they're just putting more and more and more distance. If you ever feel like, man, well, at least the dog listens, right? You know, thank you. At least the dog still comes around. You kind of get that point of aggravation. Uh, but by the way, those of you cat lovers, I noticed I did not say cats because there is a phrase like, it's hurting cats. It's out there for a reason. So we're talking about dogs in this case. God reaches out, and he does oftentimes, to his kids, nation of Israel. He's, he reaches out. If you look in the Old Testament, he reaches out with truth. Then there's other times that he reaches out with discipline. He says, hopefully this will get your attention and bring you back to again. And there's other times he actually reaches out through blessing. He provides, you know, for them in the hopes that they would turn their hearts towards him. In fact, Jesus says this in John chapter 1. It says, Jesus came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. See, God understands and he relates to the pain of rebelliousness, of wandering, and even rejection, if you've ever felt that from a child. The reason this is so important is because some of you today need to start letting go of the guilt and shame that you feel as parents before God and before others, thinking that if you had done these three other things, they may have not have chosen to do these things. Right? I can't tell you how many parents I talk about, like, man, if I would have just done more of this or done more of that. Now, granted, there are always areas to improve as a parent. There's always areas to improve in life, but it's not to cause us guilt and shame because, again, so many people were raised in fantastic homes, and yet they still chose to wander and to rebel. I know this because I am one of those kids. Ask my parents. Sometimes, you know, I don't know how you ended up where you're at. I just, I can't figure it out. Because when I remember late in my elementary years, I had a potty mouth. I would try as hard as I can for my parents not to see. So I had this two-faced kind of life because my dad was a pastor. Didn't want him to see, but I just flung them. Those words just flowed, you know, out of my mouth. And as I got older, you know, I lied and I stole from my parents financially. Many of you know the story of me stealing from grandma. What kind of kid steals from grandma? Okay, there's special punishments in certain bad places for kids who steal from grandma. Don't steal from grandma. I'm that kid. Later on in my teenage years, not appropriate in relationships with some girls going, look, I'm not honoring in any of those things. And yet, some of you as parents, as my parents did as well, think, man, I could have, should have, would have. Understand this. All of us have an ultimate choice in our lives, regardless how good or bad. Because I also know kids who came from awful, even abusive and destructive homes, and they're following Jesus and have great marriages and homes today. See, there is a part you play, but the ultimate part, the ultimate choice is we are not all victims of circumstance, but we actually have choices that will make a difference in our own life. So yes, we want to grow as parents, but I hope some of you will begin to let go of some of the guilt that you've been carrying around, some of the shame. So when... Not if you have rebellious kids or rebellious people who are friends, spouses, no matter the rebellion, how do we reach out? How do we help? So here's the first thing that we're going to learn. Number one, unwavering prayer. Unwavering prayer. In Colossians 1, it says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we heard about you. Here's what you begin to pray for. 
Ready? Here it is. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. You begin to pray for those things every day for your children that you know are going to be rebellious or currently are rebellious and watch to see how God answers that. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. So let me even dive a little bit further. There's four things that we can pray for in our unwavering prayer, never giving up on our kids. The first thing, this one's going to sound kind of funny, but pray for God to use the consequences of pain and suffering in their lives to draw them back to him. I know it sounds funny, but in Luke chapter 15, here's what we read in Jesus' story. About the time his money ran out. See, it's great for a while, but then something hits. About the time his money ran out, a great famine also swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him out, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. You know how insulting that would have been for a Jewish boy in that day and age? The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. The reason I mention this is because there is a temptation as parents probably about more today than ever before, as soon as we see our kids suffering some consequences and suffering some pain, we have a tendency to try to rescue. And obviously, there is a step and a stage where you don't want them to absolutely destroy their lives. But at the same time, you have to let consequence and pain work itself out because some of the greatest teachers in life is actually pain of our own choices, of our own decisions that helps turn our hearts back to what we know. How do I know this? Because God's word tells me again. Psalms 119.71, my suffering was good for me for it taught me to pay attention to God's decrees. So pray first, pray first that God will use the consequences, the pain, you know, some of the decisions to turn it back to him. Not, Not pain for pain's sake, but so that it would work good in their life. Secondly, pray that they would come to their senses that there would be an awakening, an aha moment. In Luke chapter 15, verse 17, is when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. What was his first thought? Home. Okay, with wherever situation is, however bad or good his home was, he said, you know what? Do you know what's better than where I'm at right now? Home. And he remembered what it was like to be home, what what he was receiving, what he could receive if he were to turn back to home. And so pray that they'll come to their senses. Thirdly, pray for God to soften their hearts. Soften their hearts. This is what he says. I will go home to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me in as a hired servant. Notice the ownership. Notice the humility. Notice him recognizing the direction he was going is in the right one, and it's so painful and hurtful that he wants to turn around and head home. Do you know what the Bible calls that? It's a fancy word called repentance. It means I'm headed in one certain way, and I recognize, wait a minute, this way is actually only leading to pain and death of the different things that I think I value most in life. I know what I do. I'm going to turn back around. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to come back to my father. Ezekiel says it this way in 36, verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. God says, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I'll put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So we pray for God to soften our hearts, their hearts. Lastly, fourth, pray for God 
to bring godly friends and people of influence in their lives. I tell this to parents all the time. Just pray that God brings godly influence. I tell this to spouses, you know, who have, you know, husbands or, or, or wives who are not believing. Say, pray that God brings other men, other people into their lives outside, in their work, in their leisure, whatever it may be. Because watch what God can do in James chapter 5, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. And so we pray. We never stop praying. Unwavering prayer is the way that we handle those who are going through rebellion, who are wandering, who are disconnected. Secondly, this would be the second thing, is unending patience. Pray that you have unending patience. Man, this is something I struggle with. Am I allowing anybody else struggle with patience? It's like they know how to push the button, Right? It's the angry dad button, angry dad, angry dad, angry dad. You're like, where do they get the button and how do I get it from their hands? Because they just seem to like hit the right ones at the right times, but to still have patience. See, Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not get tired of doing good. And just at the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. In fact, go back to Jesus' story. So, So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. I wonder how often the father looked to the horizon. I wonder day after day, week after week, month after month, we don't know exactly the amount of time that he just continued to remain patient, continue to pray, and continue to entrust his son to God and look to the horizon. What a great reminder for us on this day as well. So we have to have unwavering prayer, unending patience, and lastly, maybe most importantly, unconditional love. When it comes to a rebellious kid, unconditional love. In Luke chapter 15, verse 20, it says, filled with love and compassion. The father ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. He said, the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And the father said, you're right. You got what you deserved. I told you this was going to happen. And every time you make the same mistake again and again, I'm going to rub your nose in it. I'm going to remind you because this is what's best for you. We're going to put some major boundaries up now. We're going to make sure that you sit in all this. It's not, it's not what he did, which should shock a lot of us. His father cuts him off. He says, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a finger which tells him he's back to being a son and not a servant, uh, on his finger and sandals on his feet, kill the calf that we have been fattening for that special occasion. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He's lost and is found again. So the party began. Eh, does he really need a party? I mean, he's back, but I mean, it just sounds, it sounds weird to go that extra. Like, yeah, let's have a celebration. Are we celebrating his sin are we celebrating his rebellion? Because that's what we kind of fear, you know, as parents that, man, if he gets this response, then what's going to stop him from going out and doing something worse? Understand this. The son had to be the one to make the turnaround. It was the repentant heart. It was not the father's job to hold it over his head, not to condemn it and not to hold it against him. And Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 says, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and his compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Now, let me be clear. Unconditional love does not mean you agree with every choice and decision that someone makes. That's not what unconditional love is. 
Unconditional love, if you have a son or daughter comes in and says, you know, I'm just going to decide to, you know, uh, do drugs, and I'm going to go, go uh, you know, hang out, sleep with uh, my girlfriend and boyfriend. I'm actually going to go live with them. And you're like, cool, that's awesome, unconditional love. That's not what that means. It means you love the person regardless of their choices or decision. Is that you still value and love the person, and it doesn't change based on their decisions. The son was broken, and the father restored him. This is how we're supposed to treat rebellious kids because this is how God treats us who are his kids. And that's what we miss. We forget where we were. We forget the direction and the path that we were in. We forget what God has done to send his only son to bring us right back into his family, right back into relationship with him. And so often we forget that part, so we treat our kids differently than how God the Father treats us. God says, I am waiting with open arms. See, some of you guys came in here today thinking that you were going to get a lesson on parenthood, but the lesson that God wants you to receive today is you are his kid and he's waiting for you to come home. And for some of you, today is that moment. Today is that day. For some of you, you've been hiding and holding on to a different life. You've been living kind of a different life. You've been coming to church, but you've been doing all these other things. And God says, look, come back. Be broken before me and come back. Know that my arms are waiting. I'm looking at the horizon waiting for your hearts to turn to me. And as soon as you begin to think about turning, he runs and he throws his arms around you. And he welcomes you as if you've never left in the first place. And he celebrates. And he calls others to celebrate. Because all of us have been there. And all of us have rebelled. All of us have chosen a different way. And without Christ, we too are lost in our own rebellion. Trying to find what the world might give us as moments of levity, of pleasure, of clarity. And then to find ourselves right back to where we were once before. And God says, it's a different way. You can choose to go your own way, but I'm gonna offer you a different one. So what will you choose on this day? See, in John chapter one, it says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. For some of you today, that decision is gonna be as a parent. And you might have little ones, and you're going to already begin to pray. Keeping your eyes out for different things they may be headed in, but you're going to have un unwavering prayer. For some of you, you already have those kids that are already in kind of that rebellious time and streak, and they're starting to put distance between you and between themselves and God, and you're going to continue with patience. Some of you are going to walk out of here saying, I'm going to continue with my unconditional love, knowing that my heart, my mind, myself is always going to be open to when they finally return and turn back towards me. And for all of us, I pray that we would be reminded of what Jesus has done for us as his kids and that we would turn our hearts back towards him, remembering that it's all for us, the reason that he came. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to wrap up the series. Lord, with just this powerful reminder of what do we do now when kids do what we've done to you? I pray that people would walk out of here encouraged, energized, hopeful. Some would walk out letting go of the shame and the guilt of what they thought they should have or could have or done differently as they raised their kids. Father, I pray 
Lord, if there's anybody in this room who's not yet received you, and if that's you, that today would be the day that all you would need to do is pray this prayer after me. Just pray it in your heart and mind. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Father, I pray that you would just bless, lead, and guide those who've made that decision on this day. Help them to have the courage to make that known to others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.